Welcome to No Shame in the Home Game, the podcast that cares how your home feels, not looks. I am Lacey, the host, who's ready to listen to her co-host. That didn't quite work as I wanted to, but that's okay. We're going to be following up from our episode where we talked to Deb Porter about listening. But as usual, I'm going to turn it over to our co-host who has her life together in my mind, and that's Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Lacey, and I'm so sorry to burst your bubble. I don't would never say I have my life together. <laughs> when you said that line about it's about how our home feels, not looks, I was like, that's good because my house does not look amazeballs right now. But I feel good. It's like what Sarah said from her episode. If you looked at the state of my house, you'd think our mental health was not great, but it's the inverse. I was like, yeah, it's kind of what I'm going through at the moment. I mean, I would say my house still reflects how I feel, which is a little chaotic, but we're making progress. This is my first time recording in the new house. So when we recorded the episode with Deb, we were just about to move. And now we have officially moved into the new house. And it's a lot, but it's good. It's great. It's a really great house. There are so many things that we're like, oh, this is nice. I know I already said this to Sarah, but like, did you know that there are closets where you can actually see your clothes? Did you know that? Oh, just so exciting to actually see my clothes. You're like me when I finally got a dishwasher one time when we moved. And I was like, oh, my gosh, to not have to hand wash every single thing you use. Did you know this was an option? <laughs> or like we right now our our kitchen has a sliding door right out into the backyard and there's a really big patio and it goes out into the yard. And so there's no steps. There's no like Jack Tory about kids getting splinters. So, and it's all fenced in. So we can just open the door and be like, run amok and still see where they are and be there for them. And they run in and out and it's really nice. Now, do our neighbors behind us like it? Probably not because they are running amok, having tantrums outside, but you know, they're in bed by eight or nine, so it's not like we're doing it. I was going to say, as long, yeah, as long as you adhere to the sound policy of your city. Like, I had a, I have a friend. She has four girls. They had two, and then they had surprise twins. And that's my nightmare. So it was, it was a lot. And they actually had a big backyard. They cemented. They poured cement on half mm-hmm. of it. So that they could go out and ride their tricycles and bicycles and not be in the street. Because this way she could look out the window and see yeah. them. And at first I was like, that's crazy. You're pouring. So-. And then I was like, oh, it's genius. It's genius. That's less like you have to <laughs> mow. Oh, we have more land to mow now. I told Joe if he gets me a riding lawnmower, I could do it. To which he was like, at that point, we should just get one of those robot ones. And I was like, good point. Which I did Google and are more cost effective than you would think. But... Hmm. Like you have to do other work of putting out like lines to show it to where to stay and too much work besides. Wouldn't that be so funny? I just pictured this like little mowing robot like going freedom and he just goes like <laughs> running down your street in your neighborhood. What is happening? Oh, and I'm with a little tiny cowboy hat on top. Now if I ever do get it, well, because we have a, we have, we're actually going to get a second robot vacuum. We have one and he does his best, but there's just way more to do here. And so we were going to bring him upstairs and get another one downstairs because there's carpet. Our old house didn't have carpet, that kind of stuff. Um, And I told Joe, I'm like, I'm a little worried if it's similar technology to give it blades. (laughs) Like, I roll my vacuum, like, he gets stuck really easily and he gets confused and he's doing his best. But I wouldn't hand him knives. Oh, I just came up with the perfect solution. Okay. 
of remote control. I thought about that. I'm surprised that doesn't exist widely because I could sit on the front porch and just yes. go hog wild. Absolutely. That would be cool. Okay, we've tangent. Okay. Yeah. We have tangent. Wait, circling back, do you remember how many weeks ago was it that we recorded with Deb? I can look it up real quick. You want? Okay. I want to say it was that, like a I'll month talk. ago. So four weeks. Okay, that's what I was thinking in my head too. I wanted to tell the audience. It's that old adage of you don't know what you have until it's gone. Having four weeks without Lacey. I don't even think it was four weeks. I think it was three weeks without Lacey. I was like, oh, I, oh, it hurts my heart to be with that weekly Lacey visit. <laughs> so it was like, I was so happy for your move. But I was also like, I am so ready to be back in our no shame groove so mm-hmm. I can see you once a week. It is nice. <laughs> It is very nice. And it was nice, too, because I actually pretty much forgot everything we said in that episode. (laughs) So when I listened to it anew, it was like, aha, all over again. And it was great and timely for me. So I was, did you have, did you listen to it anew? Or you'd been editing it? I've been editing it, so I always, but I did take a long break from it because I kept trying to come back and edit it. And my brain was like, no, woman. It is too hard to edit right now. And then when I sat down to edit it, it was like, oh, this is so joyful. I love listening to this. And breaks are like actually good for you. And I don't know if this is just news to everybody, but like it really <laughs> says the woman with chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> this is why I still struggle with it at the end of the day. Anywho, I, but I did, I was editing the episode just smiling because it brought me so much joy and especially going through a move you know it takes a lot of communication and listening and understanding and I have so many moments that I'm like oh I should have listened better there or you know I you know that was a moment where I did listen and I did a good job of listening with it because what I found is as it we're just gonna drop in if that's okay with you there because I'm, oh, but yeah, yeah, my train I mean, of thought yeah. is oh, started. Yeah. And at this point, okay. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, oh no, you just gotta kind of grip and go for the uh, ride. So, go so for it. it was really funny. Joe and I were talking about getting a lamp for Iris's room, and it, we were really having a hard time understanding each other because we had a lamp in there, and I moved it, and he was like, "It's gonna fall there," and I'm like, "How's it gonna fall?" And then we got frustrated with each other, and then came back to it later. And actually heard each other. And it was really nice to, because there was also a moment within that where I said something like, oh, so I can buy another lamp. And I meant it like, oh, I can go ahead and do this, take this step. Not that I was looking for permission or anything like that. It's like, oh, that's what I need to do. And he thought I was like being snarky about purse strings and like all this stuff. And I heard it as it came out of my mouth. And then I saw it on his face and I was like, oh, no, let me fix this right away. And so that listening to the words that came out of my mouth also really helped in that moment. But we did. We we were sniping a little bit in Iris's room. And then after the kids went to bed, I was like, look, I just need to get back to this. I'm really frustrated with how that conversation went because I truly do not understand what you're talking about. I'm not trying to be obstinate. I'm not trying to be a jerk. How is it falling? And then I came to find out it's because Iris has been pushing stuff off of that dresser because it's next to her bed so she can stand up and push stuff off. I'm like, that's a completely different story than it just falling off out of nowhere. Okay, great. We can come up with solutions now. 
Wait, I just pictured Iris like those cat videos with the candle where they're like, no. And like, I'm just picturing Iris on top of her dresser, just like batting at things. I mean, she would. She would. I mean, in her defense, just to better help you understand. So it's a dresser that's kind of at the end of her bed and there's a changing pad on top of it. So we've used it as a changing table. Now, she, we don't use it as much anymore. Basically, we only use it when she poops because she's like in the middle of potty training. She wears pull-up diaper. They're not like pull-ups, but we, they're pull-up diapers because the other kind of diapers were giving her rash. Anyway, so I thought he was saying she would lay on there and push it off. I'm like, dude, she's on there maybe once a day. I think we can manage around that. But apparently what she would do is stand on the edge of her bed and push the changing pad at whatever was on the other side of the dresser to make it fall. And because there has been other things on there and he's like, it keeps falling. He's like, oh, are you the person that keeps moving this back on there? I'm like, yeah, because I just didn't know, you know, and it was just this moment of, oh, we were not hearing each other, but we left when we were tense. We came back and we talked and I could hear the words coming out of my mouth. And I was able to change and root. And it was just, it was a win for us. It was a win for us, for sure. Because we don't often nip at each other in front of the kids, but we had done it that night. And I was like, ooh, this is not, yeah. So not the time to talk about this, apparently. And like we talked about in the episode, which I have been really tapping into, it's just, I don't remember how she said it, but if you're not calm, how did she say it? Not that you're not centered or calm, but regulated. If you're in an elevated, elevated, yeah, yeah. She talked about like your yeah, like your elevated emotional status, and I have, I am way more in tune, and I don't even say things when I'm like, oh, it's not gonna come out the way I want it to. <laughs> no one's gonna hear me if it comes out this moment. So I'm just more aware of not saying useless anger. <laughs> It's just going to bum everyone else out. <laughs> but I say it when I'm calm. And then I am able to say it calmly mm-hmm. instead of angrily, which I think is good for everyone around me. <laughs> I do have to tell you. So after we did Deb's episode, I was at the next day, I was at a friend's house and I was telling her about the episode because it just it's I was thinking about how it's simple it's not it's simple but it's not simple it's <laughs> i'm using the same word twice it's not simple to do it's simple to say is, it's hard to yes. do absolutely yeah so i was talking to my friend about it and i'm not joking you her jaw dropped open we just the basics of and we started talking about how do we listen to our children how do we wish our children listen to us how does our spouse listen to us how do we wish our spouse listen to us and she was just sort of seeing the power of this one thing and i thought yes i know it's so powerful you know that's funny as we're talking about this it reminded me of a conversation i had with isaac last night was it last night or the night before i'm not sure so Isaac's four, and Isaac has a lot of big feelings. He is my child. He has big feelings. I have big feelings. And he's four. His big feelings are not rooted in logic. And Joe is a very logical man. He comes at it with logic. And Isaac has started to pick up on those like nuances of what we say. And one of them is, you're not listening to me. And it was really interesting. He wanted a knife. He wanted, So we have like kids, plastic <laughs> knives. <laughs> Oh, I was like, Because the previous night we had waffles and I asked him, I was like, bud, do you want a plastic knife to try to cut your waffle up yourself? You know, because it was soft food. He could experiment. So this next night he wanted a knife. And I was like, buddy, I'm sorry. 
I'm not going to give you a knife because this meal doesn't call for it. And I talked about how tools are, we use tools when we need them. You don't need a knife right now, so we're not going to get out a knife. And maybe it was because also I was just like, I'm not dealing with this. And he looked at me and he said, mommy, you're not listening to me. To which I just had this moment where I'm like, oh, he equates listening with obeying someone. And so we had this conversation. I'm like, buddy, I can see why you would think that. I am listening to you. I do hear you. I understand what you're saying. I just am not agreeing with what you're saying. And I, as you were just talking about with your friend, I just had this moment like, oh my gosh, I had to explain listening to Isaac and it's hard. It was hard for me to, because I'm sure when he hears me say things, it comes as a command, right? And he doesn't know anything different. So it was just interesting for me to have to be like, okay, buddy, no, you know, listening is not about just following what someone says. It's about hearing and understanding what they're saying. So I'm disagreeing with you and I'm explaining why I'm disagreeing with you. I don't know if it got through, but still, it was hard. Explain listening to a four-year-old and it's my, that's my challenge to our listeners <laughs> that if you try to explain listening not obeying listening as a different thing it's challenging I do not accept the challenge because my spouse and I are still working <laughs> on what listening means so circle back in 10 to 15 years that's a really important distinction though listening because it's true think of it as a parent <laughs> When your child is doing something or not doing something and you'll say, are you listening to me? Which really they're saying, are you not obeying? Are you, like, yeah, why, why aren't you, you obeying obey me? me is really the subtext. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting now. I'm going to really try to be careful about it because Isaac is a really good selective listener. Uh, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I do, you know, get into like his face and make sure that he like hears me. And so I think we might work on breaking down listening a bit more. I hear you. I understand you. I will do what you're asking. And to show him that those are different aspects of listening. Yeah. No, I think that, yeah, that just blew my mind too. I'd never really thought about that. I did think of a tangent story, which is I actually thought my son had hearing issues when he was about three and a half because he wouldn't listen. So I used to walk up really close behind him and say the word ice cream really quietly <laughs> to see if he could. Don't worry. His hearing was uh -huh. fine because he heard me every time I said ice cream. What I did learn when he was younger was if I sang what I wanted to say, he could hear it better. Interesting. I mean, it really, be, it really was an age uh -huh. thing. But if I needed him to pick up his shoes, I mean, I'm not going to sing right now because it's not my forte. Disappointing, but, but it's I would fine. do it. I would do it lyrically, and it would somehow click in his brain better. Yeah. So, anywho, if anyone's out there with a young child not listening, try singing. I'm going to. Also, it do, it also if you start to feel frustrated, it helps dissipate the frustration because you're trying to sing. I'm telling you, it actually sometimes actually in my house now I will sing stuff. And that's actually code for mom's about to lose her crap. <laughs> like, it doesn't happen very much, but it gets people's attention. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, when I was listening to Deb's episode, Lacey knows this because we talked about it, my energy has gone down, which big revelation. I realized you can't show up as the same person every day consistently. That's like a real big ask. And I was like, oh, it's okay. I'm not showing up as the same person 365 days a year. So accepting that. But... 
my energy was really low. And then I listened to the Deb episode and I realized listening to yourself. Yes. You've, it's so easy to have that monkey mind that autofills and chatters nonstop. But if you stop, if you like quiet the monkey mind and actually listen to what your body's trying to tell you. And I realized, yeah, I hadn't been taught to listen to myself. And that was super powerful for me to just take in and stop with the judgments around all of it as well. And like really hear what those sounded like, which didn't sound good. (laughs) Pretty. I don't recommend it. (laughs) But it was helpful. So I like that, like taking this whole thing of listening and looking at it from different angles, like explaining listening to a child, learning how to listen to ourselves I mean, I think there's so many different ways to approach it and to to implement it in our lives. Mm -hmm. And like I said, in four weeks, I've pretty much forgotten the goodness of it. So I feel like I need to listen to this episode once a month to remind myself. I mean, listening to yourself is a skill that a chronic illness has forced into me, but I'm still not great about it. I mean, I've talked about this in several places, but... I've been really stressed lately, but not letting myself recognize it. So for some reason, my brain has picked Travis Kelsey as a safe place to land. I have no desire for this man. Like, it's not like I'm I'm sure he's handsome, but I have no like feelings towards him. But for some reason, my brain's like, that's a safe topic. And it just lands there. And I really thought I was going crazy until I talked to my therapist and she explained like, well, let's think about all these different changes going on. You're seeing this man everywhere in social media. It's probably a signal for you that your brain just keeps taking this detour to this man. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I have, as soon as I like started to recognize it, I have started to recognize that he pops into my brain when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed and I'm not letting myself recognize it. Or I'm mindlessly scrolling as a way to put a Band-Aid on something. So he's become like this alarm for me now. <laughs> what, so what is the next What is the next step? So you realize that Travis Kelsey alarm is going off. And then are you supposed to reroute your brain back to something? Or just stay there and um, play, play with Travis Kelsey? <laughs> Again, like this is one of those things that I can't – and Joe thinks it's hilarious. I told him about it finally. And he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. And so every once in a while, he'll be like, so are you working on your fan fiction for him? And I'm like, shut up, Joe. First of all, I think fan fiction about real people is creepy. Okay? That's step one. Step two, if I did, it wouldn't – it would be inspired by and it would be a sports romance. Do I already kind of have an outline in my mind? Maybe. I don't know. But here's the thing. And it's not the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift of it all. It's fine. I'm not going to tell you all because maybe someday I'll write it under a pen name and you'll never know. Anyway, usually it means that I am needing to do some kind of mindfulness because I'm not letting my brain be in the present. I'm I'm usually like either thinking about everything that needs to be done in the future, everything that we could have done differently in the you know what I mean? And so it usually is a signal that I need to do some kind of mindfulness. So whether that's, and I'm still figuring out what mindfulness means for me. Because yes, I'll do some like breaths and that kind of stuff, but I get bored with it. So I've started to try to find, and that's where I'm like, that's why I was doing so good when I was doing my knitting and my crocheting, because it was helping me be mindful because I was in the moment while I was doing it with my hands. Once I can find all of that, 
and get the inspiration to do that again, I'll probably break that out. I mean, two things. One, there are worse things to detour to when you're stressed. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. of all the things to pick, <laughs> not bad. I actually have three things. The second thing is, I don't know if you've ever seen this on interstates where there's runaway for runaway yeah. trucks. What do you call those? Runaway. Yeah. So I was just picturing like your brain and every time it's too stressed, it's like <laughs> Travis skills. It's like the runaway for semis. Anyone listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Drive through West Virginia. Semis. You'll see it when we go on vacation. Yeah. If you, you can't control, what is it? You can't slow down yeah. in time or you can't control yourself going down a hill. Then these trucks go up this like little half bowl kind of to slow themselves down. So yeah. So worse things to do than Travis Kelsey. Third is, though, I think that dovetails perfectly into this whole listening thing. It's almost, to me, mindfulness. There's a lot of different definitions. But one I heard recently was it was just being aware of what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost as though Travis Kelsey is a flag saying, hey, why don't you just actually look at what you're thinking and you don't have to do anything with it. As I heard one meditation guru say, it's like a bird flies into your barn, but you don't have to make a nest for it. Yeah. Like you can't control the bird flying in. Just see it. Yeah. Don't play with it. <laughs> Just see it and let it fly And away. again, this is where I feel again, I need to stress, I'm not playing with Travis Kelsey in any way, shape, or form. I keep track of so many different things, whether it's from the middle, no shame in the home game, all of the different business ventures that are part of those things. And I also keep track of a lot of things in our household from things that we need to repair and do and flows, all of that stuff. And the thing that I use to do all of that is Notion. Notion is this amazing blank slate where you build your own app and database depending on what you need. They have some amazing templates to help you get started. But once you get in there and start using it, you see how things work and come together. And it is magic and easy and beautiful. It's like a to-do list meets a database with workflows. And then you can even get AI right into Notion to help you come up with words when words are hard, because let's be honest, they are. We have a link for Notion to help you potentially. If you go to noshameinthehomegame.com backslash N-O-T-I-O-N, you can get a link into Notion and potentially sign up for a plan. They do have free plans and paid plans. If anything, go get a free plan because it is so cool and you'll fall in love like me and become a notion advocate i've got my own dance with anxiety in my mm -hmm. life and i used to have this thing where if something freaked me out especially when i was younger like a movie i shouldn't have yeah. watched that was too creepy my brain would go to it yes yeah and so i know and it would like pop up at the most weird times but it was this weird anxiety safety blanket oh we'll actually be anxious about this for a while i was really i used to do this job this is tangent i used to do this job where i rescued cold stunned sea turtles oh this is a job you don't know about yet <laughs> i feel like my friend jim my friend jim has had so many jobs i'm still learning about new jobs and i want him to write a book i feel like my friend jim <laughs> so we, how does what i have what, so many questions now how does one get a job rescuing cold sea turtles okay so i got the job because i was moving from nebraska to massachusetts and i needed a job and my aunt had a friend who lived 
in the town I was moving to. And she said, oh, there's this seasonal job. And so it was through my aunt gotcha. friend that I applied for this job. And it was only for three months, but it was at least something for me to do right when I got there. But the hours were super weird because you have to do it with the tide. So the tide changes every single day. So sometimes I would go out at two in the morning, like really weird times. So sometimes I'm like out in the dark by myself and then I'd have to drive home and there were no streetlights where I lived. So I'd have to drive home in the dark. And I got obsessed about aliens. Naturally. So my little anxiety would keep going to aliens all the time. <laughs> but it took me a long time to realize that was actually anxiety. Mm -hmm. Just like something to toy. Oh, go here. Yeah. Oh, go here. Yeah, I've. So Travis Kelsey, that's why I said, I'm like, there's worse things than Travis Kelsey yeah. to. <laughs> I, so like, now I want to know more about the aliens. So like, is it that they're coming to get yeah. us? Or are you looking for them? So there was this movie that came out when I was in high school, maybe. And it was based on a true story. And I can't remember the name of it. All I can remember is this one scene where the guy ends up under a table and there's syrup dripping and it causes him to have a flashback. This guy disappeared mm. and then he reappears, but he's not the same person. Gotcha. And it's about, do you believe his story? So you get to see the flashbacks of his story. So when I was doing this job, like that was the memory that I was like thinking of being, because they were in the dark yeah. when one of their friends got abducted. And so like I started to think I was going to get abducted because I had to walk by myself. And this was pre, like, we had cell phones, but they weren't nearly as yeah. good. <laughs> no, like, the more you explain it, the more that I'm like, yes, I would think this too. That or, you know, an axe murderer. But, I, you know, I think aliens is the better of the two, frankly. It would have been much better for me to be worried about an axe murderer. Never once was I worried about an axe murderer. <laughs> that would have made more sense. But, yeah, the alien thing. And then the alien would pop up at all times of day not just then but yeah so anywho so from listening to thank you for listening to my story alien so did you explain i was just curious with the joe yeah. thing did you explain to him the whole listening podcast premise so he knows about that like coming back with a calm head no, no. no. you just implement i actually talked to my family about the basics of i it. mean we should i we Life has been such chaos. <laughs> I know. And that so, was a silly no, it's on my not. Part. It's just that, you know, and I think this actually kind of goes with what we're talking about is Joe and I have been doing so much communication purely about tasks. And is this getting done? Is this getting done? Have you done this? Where is this? Like, we still don't know where my coffee maker is. I still, I swear it, it has been abducted. I don't know what else could have happened to it. By aliens. By aliens. I mean. It all comes together. They do need caffeination or caffeinated beverages too. But I just, and, but it's so interesting how in all of this task communication, I feel like you would get better at listening. I think we've gotten worse. But that makes sense to me because the listening is associated with a task and you're not really dealing with the emotions that are building up. Yeah. So to me, I get mm -hmm. that because you have to get these things done. There's all these deadlines. But meanwhile, you're getting exhausted. You're getting frustrated. You're getting overwhelmed, yeah. right? And so you need a break, girl. You just need. Yeah. Okay. And I mean. I, Give me a break. Well, I would love a Kit Kat. Give me a break. Oh, my gosh. That's. Give me a break. 
Oh, now I want a Kit Kat. Not sponsored by Kit Kat. We would love we wouldn't to mind. Would love to be. Also, Nespresso, if <laughs> yeah. you're listening. Nespresso, you are the coffee maker I do have and that I do love, but you're a little expensive for me. And it's a little, little expensive. expensive. I have a cheap everyday one. <laughs> that is the one that's gone. <laughs> I mean, have I been living the high life of my Nespresso's every day? Yes. So what I'm hearing is the old, the other coffee maker isn't lost. It's misplaced. I did air quotations. It really is. Lost. It is. It has become like my white whale in moving now. Like of just, I I don't understand where it could be. I swear I have opened and touched every single box that has come into this house. And I don't know what happened to it. So it's fine. It's fine. Anyway. I don't know what we're talking about. Back, back, to, back listening. to listening. Oh, I asked if you had talked about oh. the basics of the listening to your family. And But I do think I would love to talk to Joe about it because with his ADHD, sometimes what helps me listen to him makes it harder for him to listen to me and vice versa. So like sometimes he needs an activity and so he'll be doing something like on his phone while I'm talking. And that makes me feel like he's not listening. You know what I mean? And then it becomes this loop. So I do think it's really, really beneficial for us to have a conversation just about how do we listen best? How can we get these messages to each other better? And do it not when we're already in the middle of a conversation because that's usually gonna maybe make tensions go a little higher and all of those things. Two thoughts. One was, do you like how I itemize everything? I actually really do. Two thoughts. <laughs> that's how my brain, that's my very projector, like structured. That's how I see things in my head. But number one is, so yes, I was thinking about the off- the services that Deb offers and I thought, man, it would be so nice to have some kind of family-friendly seminar because everyone could benefit from that. And somehow making it age accessible for everyone. And then two was, this is a sneak peek into the future, which is we're going to have an executive functioning specialist on and we should very much ask her about how do you go through listening with somebody who has autism, ADHD? You know, their executive functioning skills are differently are different. But communicate it's like communication's still important, but it's it needs to be done differently for there to be success. Yes. Yeah. And it's I think if I learned anything in my communication studies, because I have a master's degree in it, it's fine. Uh, is that there is no, and I mean no. One size fits all communication solution. Zero. If somebody promises that in any context, they're lying because context is really, really important when it comes to listening. And context is physically where you are, but it's also who you are, where you came from, what your relationship with this person. There are so many different factors that go into it. And you both bring that into whatever situation that you're going into. And so knowing more about that, knowing what makes him, you know, would make his brain knowing more about ADHD is a game changer. And I think something that we could all benefit from when we're talking with other people and trying to listen to other people is also to tell people how we listen best. Yeah, no, that's really important because I think, Again, bring this back to the mm-hmm. home and you're sharing a home with other people. And it's so true. Not everyone is going to commute. I mean, even with just two people, I mean, forget about a whole country, like no. just two people, 
you're both coming in with some sort of unspoken way that you want to speak and want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I mean, these are the things that they don't talk about when you're doing your your wedding registry or like picking out anything. Like this is the stuff that it is. This is the stuff that leads to divorce. And I'm laughing because again, it's like simple concept, really tough to execute. Like so tough. And it's hard because I think we as a society have created kind of one narrative around what good listening looks like. And I got to say, I am in like top 1% of what it looks like to listen right. Like I'm an eye contact. I give so much eye contact and like facial expression and nodding. Literally one of my professors in grad school was like, I have to stop looking at you because you're giving so much intentional feedback that you are with me, that you're understanding what's happening. You're nodding. If you want someone in a crowd to look you in the eye and cheer you on, smile, nod, I'm your gal. That is me. I will like, all I like, I do. I just, that's who I am. That's how I listen. But it's also how I learn. Like I have been blessed with the ability to listen and learn like vocal, like that kind of stuff right away. And most people aren't like that. And so I just, I recognize that even though that's what I experienced, that is not what it is for everybody else. And every once in a while, like I'll, someone will, I'll be in a meeting and someone's like, do you want to take notes? And I'm like, no, that will actually distract me. And then I won't hear what's being said and I won't comprehend it. Or I can't do subtitles on things because they distract me too much from what I'm hearing. And then I miss the concepts. So it's just interesting how some of those different accommodations for other people actually get in the way for me, which is fine. I can do, I can figure it out. But it just goes back to this idea that there is no one right way and that we, it needs to be our responsibility too to say, hey, this is how I listen. So like I've been, I like have gone to meetings and hey, I'm not taking notes because that will get in the way of me understanding. You know what I mean? So I challenge you beyond trying to explain listening to a four-year-old. I challenge you to think about what is your ideal listening situation and how can you incorporate that into your everyday life and telling people what you need. That's really interesting. And now I am thinking way more in depth about the way me and my partner communicate. What was a trigger to me in my childhood about as the youngest child not feeling heard? Mm -hmm. And then thinking about how it is that my spouse actually listens best is a trigger for me because I feel like I'm the – and I was like, oh, I just put that together. Because like you said, different people listen differently. Yeah. And I want him to listen the way I want to feel valid. I want to feel validated. And so I'm like, oh, I need to work around <laughs> and find a different solution. Yeah, that's just – it's – again, it's – simple but complicated yeah. yeah i like that you emphasize if anybody says there's one way to communicate like universally it's not true and i think that's so important to remember that even though you're saying it it may not be received the way you're saying it i had that a lot with my son not now that he's a little bit older but when he was younger he'd have these really complicated ideas and he, i knew he could see things in his head in a certain way but then he'd go to tell me, and I wasn't getting it. And he gets, I mean, you know, when they're younger, oh, they and it so just goes mad. from zero yeah. to 100. And I had to keep over and over saying, no, I know you see it. I just don't see it yet. 
So tell me more about this part. And he got impatient because as a kid, you know, you want everything in this moment. But yeah, it was. So I'm realizing that's the same thing with adults, too. Like you have to just really be like, I don't know if I'm seeing it from your view. (laughs) And then maybe even saying back. Yeah. This is what I heard. My brother-in-law worked in a nuclear power plant and he has all this jargon that he uses that's from those days. And I can't remember what he says, but it's basically that you have to say back what you heard. It's this confirmation because they have to do these multiple steps to make sure they're not, you know, blowing anything up Uh or anything catastrophic. So he has like this acronym that he would use. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, but that's like really handy. Just did you hear me say milk, eggs, and bread? Or did you hear me say Fritos, <laughs> duct tape, and a piano? What did you What did you... That's a party I want to go to. <laughs> it's just, it's such a fundamental. We feel, val- I think we feel validated when we're heard. Yeah. Sarah and I are hard at work in creating the Home CEO course. If you are interested in the Home CEO course and potentially being one of our founding members, you can go to noshameinthehomegame.com, home CEO, and sign up for the waitlist to be notified as soon as it goes on sale. That's noshameinthehomegame.com backslash home CEO. Going back to what we were talking about with task communication, I mean, that's a lot of what home management is. And I'm just really starting to realize that with home management and task communication, it is so easy to turn off listening when it comes to that because it's so rote and just like repetitive and not interesting or fun and that kind of thing. And, you know, I usually I'm not a big fan of like gamification of things. Personally, I think it's a novelty that wears off and then doesn't leave you with a whole lot but for some people adding something like that into their home management could make a big deal and so i'm just wondering if there are other ways to make home management exciting not necessarily exciting but just ways to help keep novelty to make it less rote and more interesting to be able to want to listen so two things one i think in some i think in some things with home management i think roteness is actually an asset, like brushing your teeth, you don't think about it. You just do it. And I think there's some things where if we can just actually get it so automatic, it's just, but you got to get everyone. It has to be automatic for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But then the novelty thing, that is definitely something to think about. And I know when we talked to Corey, our executive management, functioning management specialist, I can't say all those words, that novelty is a really big deal with people who are neurodiverse. But I will go back to the listening part with home management stuff being really boring, which is true. But one thing I communicate with my clients a lot is to be very careful, not careful, but selective with how you're communicating to your family what needs to be done. Not, I need you to empty the dishwasher, but the dishwasher needs to be emptied. Taking out, like, really, because, again, it's like, where does that person go to in their head? Oh, they don't want to do it, so they're asking me to do it. Not, it needs to be done. So being careful with what you're saying, but you're right. How do you get somebody to listen to something that's super boring? You sing it. (gasps) You sing it. (laughs) The dishwasher needs to be loaded. A little heavy Uh, metal. I don't, 
Take out the trash. Take out the trash. <laughs> My boy's like Iron Maiden, so that's why that came out that way. Because maybe they would hear me if I did it. But yeah, maybe that's the novelty. Maybe that's a way. Like if everything had a little button that had a pre-recorded song. <laughs> You just push that button for the task. I think I'll take this a little bit deeper. I think laughing Good. about it makes it so much easier. So I think humor and it can make it also a little bit easier to deal with, you know? Now I'm going to sing all of my instructions later today. I got to get ready for it. I'll do some vocal warm ups. I should do vocal rest until then. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, but I also think you'd have to change up the way you sing things because even that will become white noise, yeah. right? So you got like a calendar of this is the tone I'm going to use to sing things. <laughs> Maybe we can get Chad GPT in on it. What's a weird way I can tell my family how to do things? Oh, maybe we can third party this. We can ask Alexa or Google mm -hmm. or Siri or whoever your home automatron is. Ask them to make the request. I, honestly, these are all ideas. It was like, I know we're giggling, yeah. but like, I think that these could all be ways to help someone hear you. Like you said, there's no one way. I mean, I know families where all those to-do things are checklists on a shared electronic, mm -hmm. you know, so nobody has to say it. Yeah. Their one job is to look at that electronic checklist and then check off when it's done for the day. Then I guess you kind of have to dig and just see, you know, what is... You have to be an investigator. Put on your private investigator. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, tailor your communication. <laughs> That's another communication thing. Ted. Ted tailor Lang. Your tailor your communication. Yeah. But again, I think this is something we brought up with Deb. What this is all getting to is... That home CEO who is the one who's always communicating, it can get really tiring yeah. to not feel heard. Yeah. And because we were talking about that with Deb, it's like you want to say what you want to say and be heard. But the other person also wants to say what they want to say and be heard. And it's like you can't be two, you can't be two roles at once. So that's why Deb's services <laughs> are really important because she will listen and fully listen but it does get exhausting. I don't know if I think I've mentioned this. I do this fun little trick in my house where if I don't feel appreciated for everything I'm doing, I'll just start thinking myself like in the third person. It's a little cray, but that's how we roll. So I'll just be like, thanks, mom, for emptying the dishwasher. That was mighty kind of you, even though it was so-and-so's job. It's a slightly passive-aggressive. It's aggressive, a little passive-aggressive. But I do it in a, like a comical yeah. way. It gets its point across. It's like it's a comedy yeah. bit now. I love um, some bits. I do love bits. It's a bit. It's a bit. And it keeps, again, it keeps me from yelling. I just, I don't like yelling. I don't, I, some people, that's how they communicate. I, I lived with somebody who was from a yelling family. And it's like, if she didn't yell it, it didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, I don't like this. Why are you yelling all the time? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of yelling, so that's a no thank you from me. Yeah, I can't. That's an elevated, I can't remember how Deb said it, an elevated. Yeah, emotional state. Dysregulated. If you're just, that makes me dysregulated. Yeah. I feel dysregulated. Teach that to your son. <laughs> I've tried. I literally, we oh. were trying with, because like he has, like I so said, he has big feelings. He regrets, it, it's that he regrets what he does later, but I'm like, buddy, we both know that this mm. isn't what you want Let's get there together. But in the moment, he could not handle it. So we're reading a lot of books 
about our feelings and our temper and what we can do. Yeah. I've hit a wall, Sarah. I saw it. I saw it in your eyes five minutes ago, but I hear you. I heard you and I hear you. That is a form of listening though. Seeing the other person and like seeing their expressions. I have to say the people that I spend the most time with, and you are one of them now, like my mom and Joe can always know, like there's some kind of manifestation that happens on my face that no one's really been able to express, but they're like, oh, yeah, go lay down. Or why are you doing that? Stop it. <laughs> I didn't want to over-parent. I didn't want to parent no. you. Yeah. So I was like, I put, I was like, okay, it's coming. Yeah. So. <laughs> so wrap it up. <laughs> oh, do we want to do moment of gratitude now? Yeah. Or no, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm are you up, up for it? it? Yes. All right. You can go first. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I, my my gratitude is my parents. Like, I cannot shout to the rooftops how wonderful my parents and my family have been in this moving process. Like, they have taken care of so much of the physical work of getting us moved. And as someone who cannot do that physical work, it is invaluable. Like, I, just the amount of things that just get done when they come have come over and helped, you know. There are no words. <laughs> there is not enough gratitude that I in the world to really express that. And so just having people show up for you physically to do the things that you can't are it's just magical, magical. And so I am so grateful for them and that now they're a little bit closer. So like they stopped over for a little bit yesterday and played with the kids and took them to the park and that was really nice. And it's also been nice, too, that that means I get to spend more time with them. And I really enjoyed it. Like, my mom has done some sick burns on me lately because she's, like, really nice about it. But then I have a tendency to, like, do things quickly and then sometimes hastily. And she knows that. And so I was like, oh, I'll do that. And she's like, no, I'll do it. I'll do it because she knows she'll do it right. <laughs> And just as quick as she said it, it was just such a beautiful burn on me and what I can do. And so I've just been really enjoying the unintentional mom burns lately, too. So that's another thing I'm grateful for. That is so beautiful. And I am so thankful that you had that beautiful support for such a big And like all of my siblings showed up to help us move. Every single one. I just cannot stress it enough how grateful yeah. I am for that did you have a moving company at all or just the power of your just family just the power of my family yeah wow yep we rented Damage. a big old u-haul and my family came on saturday to fill it up and then we drove it up on saturday and then they came again on sunday morning to empty it out and they were gone by two wow. i mean it helps to be one of five kids you know and their spouses and children who could come did so that's really nice but yeah could you do a family text thread hey where's my coffee maker did one of you nick it you should have taken the good one i mean i'm glad you didn't take the good one but you know i i we it has become again my white whale i will find it and it will be in a very unexpected place honestly if i had to guess it's in this room in one of these boxes underneath something and i just didn't know it but the room i'm in now i don't want to unpack yet because a lot of it's going to go on bookshelves that we don't have yet, you know. And so I think it'll show up in a month. That's my prediction. So any of you listening, let's start a <laughs> pool and bet where is 
which room in her house or not at her property is Lacey's coffee maker. It is not in the old house. We went there this weekend. We've cleared it all out. It is empty. So it's not there. We are confident about that. But there's still a slight possibility somebody from your family just walked off with it. I... I'm not calling them thieves. I'm just You're saying just it's a possibility. It. <laughs> it was not Carolyn. Not Carolyn. It was not Carolyn. She has an Carolyn. espresso and she likes it. So she would never lower her expectations like that. If they did, I would hope they would just ask. I would give them anything. I know. I know. But who knows? Who knows? What are you grateful for, Sarah? So the listeners didn't get to see it because it's a podcast. But when Lacey and I came on, I had on my son's <laughs> Halloween mask. It's a wolf mask. And I, the look on Lacey's face as she registered me coming on the meeting and then registered what I was wearing and then watching her laugh. It was so worth it. It was so worth it. I. It was it was all I wanted and more, and I couldn't have asked for anything better. I made you laugh. That was my moment of gratitude, and you're still Dude. laughing. It's also funny because sometimes you come into the Zoom or into the thing, and I'm like doing something else, and you like just stare for a while, and like I think not stare. I don't honestly. I don't know what you're doing, but I know that I'll show. I'll realize you're there, and so this time I wasn't, and it was perfect because it was like boom, there it was. A werewolf. A were-Sarah. A This morning, a were This morning, I had a Zoom meeting, this group that I'm a part of, this volunteer group. And so we all showed up and the person who organizes it, some something was wrong with hers and she was on her phone, but the camera wasn't working. And then it was, she said, oh, I have to go do something. And she walked away. And then so there was nine of us all just staring at the screen muted. So I unmuted and I was like, should we have a dance party while she's gone? So we all start we all start dancing in our little boxes. And then she comes on. She goes, what makes you think that's not what I was doing? That's what the leader said. And I was like, oh, I she was watching us. Again, little pleasures. That's what makes the Whatever day worth it. makes us get through the day. The joy. Absolutely. I want to respect your tired place and say thank you. It's so good to see you. Me too. I appreciate all yeah. of this. Thanks again to Deb yeah. for a really great conversation and so much to think about. Oh, thank you, Deb. Thank you for the work that you're mm-hmm. doing. And thank you for sharing your time. Yeah. yeah. I hope to have more Deb with us in the future. That would be Agreed. awesome. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to No Shame in the Home Game. We hope you can take a little nugget of goodness to use in your own home. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in the player of your choice, like us on social media, rate and review, and share us with all of your friends and maybe a couple of non-friends if you want. You can always visit joyfulsupportmovement.com to learn more about No Shame in the Home Game and other Joyful Support podcasts. While you're there, you can join the newsletter or sign up for the Joyful Support Village. Now go out there and spread some joy.